Father, we come to you tonight in the mighty, wonderful, glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We come to thank you for saving each and every one of our souls. Father, you're so good to us, Lord. Amen. Each and every week we come before you to receive from you, and now we're here to give, to praise you, to worship you, to adore you, to tell you that we love you. Father, I pray for Daniel and David that you would use them for your glory, Lord God, that they would bring us before the throne of grace with a clean heart, a pure heart, Lord God, and clean hands. We ask that you watch us and protect us and guard us and guide us and direct us according to your will, your way, and your holy word. Let your blessing flow tonight, Father God, as we worship you. Then we pray for Pastor Adam that you would use him for your glory to open up our hearts, Lord, to receive your word and be blessed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Something that's a word that will 
Excuse, on t'excuse. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. 
And the words that are written in it are about to come true. Can you say amen? And so that happened to me at the shopping mall. And then as once this this thing began to wear off, I looked at the very next verse, and the angel tells John, "Stop weeping, because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed." And so the Lord led me right to those scriptures, and that was the word that he gave me. This is a holy book, and the words that are written mm. in it are about to come true. Amen. And so this came out of left field today. Didn't expect it, but it was one of the greatest experiences with God that I have ever had in my life. Right there at Complex Desjardins Shopping Mall today. It happened right today, a few hours ago. Amen. And so just be encouraged with that. And I just encourage you to keep being faithful. Because the Bible says in Revelation 17, 14, that those that are with Him, they are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. And so continue to be faithful to God. May He continue to lead you and guide you in these end times. Amen? Amen. And so tonight I want to talk to you about a message that I've entitled, A Child of the Kingdom. And I want to talk to you and just want to encourage you tonight and just share some nuggets with you from the Word of God on what it means to be a child of of the kingdom of God. And I want to read to you from Ephesians, the second chapter. Uh, this will just be our opening text here. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 11. It says, Therefore remember, someone say remember. Remember. Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by, so-called, by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far away, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who made both groups, speaking of Jew and Gentile, who made mo- both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Mm-hmm. Now just so you know, by the way, in the ancient Jewish temple, where Jesus you know, ministered, that we read of, uh, there was actually a wall of separation where the Jews would, were on one side, the Gentiles would be on the other side, and the Gentiles were not allowed to come any closer. They had to stay behind that wall. So Paul is saying, spiritually speaking, Messiah has torn down that wall of separation that was dividing Jew and Gentile. Not physically, but spiritually. He, he destroyed that. Verse 15, By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make two into one new man, thus establishing peace or reconciliation and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity verse 17 and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near and through him we both have our access in one spirit to the father so that you who are no longer strangers and foreigners, but yeah, sorry, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. 
Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus, we just come before you. And Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord God, that in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Father, I pray that tonight our eyes would be open to behold wonders in your word. Father, send your light and your truth. May we be washed by the running water of the word of God. Lord, wash our hands. Wash our works. Wash our feet, Lord. Wash our walk with you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, let our ear be open to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. May we have the ear of a disciple tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. As for myself, Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your word says the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. Thank you, Father, for anointing me to speak forth your oracles tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word of your grace, which is able to build us and to give us an inheritance among them who have been sanctified by faith that is in Him. We praise you and we give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said amen. Amen. Okay, so Ephesians, the second chapter, notice in verse 19, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are of God's household. So notice, yes, of course, we live on the earth. We live in the midst of this present age. And in one sense, obviously, our, we still have the fallen condition of our human flesh. But you know, in a kingdom, a person can have a dual citizenship. And essentially, that is what we have. We are citizens of the earth, in the flesh, but we are also born from above. As the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 11, that Christ, He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But to as many who did receive Him, to them He gave power to become the sons of God that are born not of flesh and blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but that have been born of God. And so we have a dual citizenship, my friends, where yes, we live on this earth, but at the same time, we are also citizens of the kingdom that is above. Amen. And so the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, that God translated us from the kingdom of darkness and He brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, that we are a chosen generation, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are His own possession, that we might show forth the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and brought us into His marvelous light. And then in verse 10, Peter quotes from the prophet Hosea and says, You who once did not have mercy, now you have obtained mercy. Amen. And so the point is this, my friends, that um, we need to recognize how privileged we are to become citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. And you know, Jesus didn't call us into a religion. He didn't call us to some strange thing. No, He called us 
to be children of the kingdom of God. And we are citizens from above. The Apostle Paul explained in Philippians chapter 3 that some have become enemies of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, whose end is destruction. But in verse 20, Philippians 3.20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, where we are looking for the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the first thing I want to mention as I bring up those scriptures is, first of all, we need to recognize how privileged we are. You know that. My goodness, I thought a bomb went off. Amen. That was the other day. So we need to, first of all, recognize how privileged we are to, again, we weren't called into a religion. We were called into the kingdom of God. And do you want to know something? Do you know that a citizen in a kingdom, you see, I was, I was talking with my dad the other day. And I was saying, you know, when we read the Bible as, you know, Canadian citizens, we have many disadvantages when we read the Bible. Did you know that? Because first of all, it wasn't written in English. That's one thing. Now, of course, we have translation that helps. Obviously, we understand the general meaning of the text. But not only that, the Bible was written in a Jewish context. Most of us are not Jewish. So what does that mean? We have to learn about that in order to interpret the text properly. But another disadvantage that we have when we read the Bible... I know it's very encouraging, right? Um, Another disadvantage that we have when we read the Bible is that we did not grow up in a kingdom. Did you come... Were you born in a kingdom? Were you? No. We were born in a democracy, so they call it, okay? And uh, so the thing is, that is a uh, disadvantage that we have because the Bible was written in the context of a kingdom. So what does that mean? It means that to understand the Bible, not only do you need to understand the Jewish background, you also need to understand kingdom concepts. And as a matter of fact, recently, that's what I've been studying, kingdom concepts. And one thing I've been learning about recently is the concept of citizenship, okay? Did you know, okay, example, if you're born in Canada, you are a Canadian citizen. Mm -hmm. But in a kingdom, a uh, citizenship is not something that you um, are born with. It is actually something that is a privilege. And a king is someone who chooses himself who to give citizenship to. And so when the Bible says that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we need to recognize how privileged we are to have obtained that from God Almighty. And so we are so blessed, we are so privileged. Uh, The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that we did not come to Mount Sinai. If you remember in Exodus chapter 19, when God visited the children of Israel, when He came with His power, with His fire, uh, the scripture says that if anything touched the mountain, it was to be dead. Even an animal. If an animal touched that mountain, they had to shoot at it with a dart. Nobody could come close. The people were so afraid. Why? Because the Sinai covenant didn't bring people closer to God. It didn't bring reconciliation between God and man. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 18, you didn't come to Mount Sinai, but you came to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, in an innumerable company of angelic hosts. Isn't that amazing? That God has given us the privilege to be partakers of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said this in Matthew, the 13th chapter, when he was ministering, he said, uh, when the Jewish people didn't understand his words, 
You know, Jesus spoke in parables, did you know that? A lot of people, you hear them, they say, Jesus spoke in parables to make it easy for us to understand. Actually, that wasn't true. He gave, he spoke in parables so that the children of Israel would not understand. And that's a whole other topic, because they were in apostasy, you see? And so he quotes, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 6. And he says, having eyes, having have eyes you don't see, and ears you don't hear. Quoting from Isaiah, the sixth chapter. But then, you know what he said? Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. And truly I tell you that many kings and righteous men long to hear the things that you are hearing. They long to see what you are seeing. But they never had that opportunity. And yet here we are, a chosen generation. We have the privilege of seeing the redemption that Jesus Christ provided for us through His death on the cross. And so we have so much potential. And I believe that tonight God is going to just open our eyes and thrust us even deeper into our understanding of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. In, uh, further in the text, Jesus also said that of all the men born of women, none were greater than John the Baptist. Do you remember that scripture? Yep. You know, that scripture puzzled me a little bit because when I read the Old Testament, I see that there were people who did way greater things than John the Baptist did. I mean, John the Baptist didn't part the Red Sea. How many of you know that? John the Baptist didn't part the Red Sea. John the Baptist didn't call fire down from heaven. John the Baptist didn't raise anyone from the dead. All John the Baptist did was preach repentance and dunk people in water. And yet Jesus said, of all the people born of women, none were greater than John the Baptist. Who would like to know the reason why? Because John the Baptist said these words, Behold the Lamb of God Amen. who takes away the sin of the world. And so John had the privilege of announcing the coming of the Messiah. And he had the privilege of seeing him with his own eyes. But can I tell you something? Do you know what Jesus said? Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Wow. Can I tell you why? Because John the Baptist had a great privilege. He had the privilege of announcing the coming of Christ. He had the privilege of seeing Jesus with his eyes. But we have the privilege of living in the kingdom of God. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we have received the spirit of Christ who lives on the inside of us. As Jesus said, it's actually better for you if I go than if I stay. Because if I don't go, the Comforter will not come. Do you know that Jesus had to leave in order for the Holy Spirit to come? And there's a reason for that. We see, I spoke about this last week in the Elijah paradigm. When Elijah ascended into heaven, he dropped his mantle. Jesus ascended into heaven, he dropped the Holy Spirit. But not only that, Jesus explained that when the Spirit of God would come, He would convict the world of righteousness. He says, because you see me not. In other words, if Christ is in front of us, if we could see Him with our eyes, then we cannot be righteous by faith. Why? Because faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So if Christ 
is with us in the flesh, we cannot be counted righteous because of our faith. And the Holy Spirit could not come. And so that is why Jesus told Thomas, He said, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe, even though they have never seen. Can you say amen? And also the Spirit came, why? To testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus had to leave in order for the Spirit to come. But the Spirit here is even greater than if Jesus was here. Because He lives, Christ, by a mystery, lives on the inside of us. He gives us understanding. He gives us comprehension. He makes the kingdom of God a reality in our personal lives. Can you say amen? Amen. I look at what Peter also says, just to show you how privileged you are. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10, he says, As to this salvation, the prophets prophesied of the grace that would come to you and made careful searches and inquiries. So think about it, when you look at prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, it, they got revelation of this, and they were looking into it. But as, it's, as it continues uh, here, it says, Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, as He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Verse 12 says, But it was revealed to them, that they were not serving themselves, but you. Isn't that amazing? The prophets realized they were not serving themselves, that this revelation was not for them, but it was for a people who would come later. And you know that we're part of that company. Amen. It says, but to you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things which angels long to look into. Isn't that something? That angels long to look into this salvation that we have, but they're not able to comprehend it because they do not know what it's like to be redeemed. Isn't that amazing? So we are privileged to be citizens of God's eternal kingdom. But you know, this privilege requires something of us that we are to be transformed. Somebody say transformed. Transformed. Yes, we've been made citizens of the kingdom of God, but this means that you and I have to go undergo a process of transformation. You know, in Genesis 1.26, I want you to stay with me. Genesis 1.26, God said this. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Remember when, I, remember when I said to you that uh, we didn't grow up in a kingdom, right? right? So we don't understand many kingdom concepts. But there's a concept, listen to this, of the kingdom of God that is known as the image of the king. Someone say the image of the king. The image of the king. And so the, the image of the king is this, that the king is glorified through his citizens. In other words, the glory of the king is reflected by the well-being of the people in His kingdom. And so what does that mean? It means that God's desire is for us to take on His glory. And what is God's glory? It is His nature. And so you and I are called to be transformed into the image 
of our king. And did you know that the king of a nation was also called the father of the nation? In Isaiah chapter 9, it says in verse 6, the famous Christmas verse, Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. So the king of the nation was also known as the father of the nation. That is why one of the titles of Christ is Everlasting Father. It means Eternal King. Now what do we see that children, except with me and my dad, we're an exception, but most times children reflect their parents, right? Your kids look like you, right? And so the glory of the king ought to be reflected through his people. And so in Isaiah 64 and verse 8, you know what it says? It says, you are our father. And he says, we are the clay and you are the potter. Think about that. He says, you are our father. You are the king. You are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. What is Isaiah saying? He's saying, you're our father. Conform us and mold us amen. into your image. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? And so do you know that everything that happens in your life, God is aware of it. And he's using all things to work this out in you. Because, you know, we need to understand God is an architect. Did you know that? Yeah. God is an architect. It says that in Proverbs chapter 8, that God is an architect. And you know what? He's the architect of your life. An architect has the blueprint before the house ever starts being built. And so what is his goal? What is God looking to build in you? He's looking to build Christ on the inside of you so that you can reflect that glory. And so we are undergoing a metamorphosis. We are undergoing transformation. Messiah said in Luke 13 verse 19, The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed that is planted in the ground, and it spreads out its branches, and the birds of the air come and make their nest upon it. What do we see with a seed? Transformation. It starts off as a seed, and then it stretches its branches. In Mark chapter 4, he words it this way, The kingdom of God is comes like a mustard seed, but then he says first the seed, then the blade, and then the corn on the ear. And so there is a transformation that is taking place. And so you and I, my friends, are called to become children of the kingdom of God and to take on his divine nature. And you say amen. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to share with you, well, we'll see how many the Lord allows me to go through. I want to share a few things with you on what it means to be a child of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. How many of you want to know that? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I like your enthusiasm. God bless you. <laughs> what does it mean to be a child of the kingdom of God? Let me share a few things. Number one is a child of the kingdom is a worshiper. Someone say worship. Worship. A child of the kingdom is a worshiper. And why is that? Because one of the concepts of the kingdom of God is the concept of honor. You know, here, let's be honest, people don't respect the authorities. You know, people make fun of the prime minister, the president, and for good reason. So, but the thing is, in a kingdom, the king, the king is worthy of honor. The king is worthy of respect. And so in Malachi chapter one, then you know that the Lord was frustrated with the people of Israel because they weren't honoring him. 
They were bringing God pathetic sacrifices to His temple. And He says, God actually says, Would you present this as a gift to your governor? Mm. In other words, if you would be ashamed to give this to your earthly governor, what are you doing giving it, what are you doing giving it to me? They would bring the blind animals, they would bring the horse with a broken leg, you know? No, not a horse, that wasn't part of the sacrificial system. You get the point. They would bring their wounded animals, things that were useless to them. And God's, God was saying, He says in Malachi 1.6, He says, a, a son honors his father. He says, where is my honor? He says, a slave respects his master. Where is my respect? But then you know what He says? This is a rebuke to Israel. He says, you didn't want to bring me pure sacrifices, but don't worry about it. In Malachi 1.11, five verses later, you know what He says? He says, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every nation, people will bring unto me a pure offering. For my name is, for I am a great king who is greatly to be feared in all the nations. Mm -hmm. And so you and I are taking part in that prophecy today. Yeah, we are the people among the nations that are bringing God worship mm -hmm. that is due His name. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know who picked up on this? Jesus in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes to see a Samaritan woman. Is she Jewish? No, she's a Gentile. And Jesus goes to see the Samaritan woman. And, you know, the Samaritan woman, she's religious. And so she starts this whole debate on where you're supposed to worship. But what did Malachi 1.11 say? God said, in every nation, they will bring me a pure offering. And so Jesus says in John 4, He says, It will not be in this mountain or on that mountain, but in every place people will worship the Father. And He goes on to say, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit, meaning with your heart, and also in truth, meaning with how you conduct yourself. But the point is this, God is worthy of worship. Why? Because He is the great King, the King who is greatly to be feared. Can you say Amen? amen. In Luke chapter 19, there was a time where Jesus is going into Jerusalem. He's making His triumphant entry. And the people begin to sing Hosanna. And, uh, you know, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees were jealous. And they said, Lord, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus, you know what He says? Luke 19, verse 40. If they don't cry out, the very rocks are going to cry out. Why? Because the Lord is worthy of, the, of our worship. Because He is the great King. He is the King of kings and the Lord of hosts. Can you say amen? And so a child of the kingdom is a worshiper. You and I need to become worshipers. And you know, when you worship, there's an amazing benefit. First of all, when you worship, worship is the way that we uh, experience intimacy with Almighty God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, wherein there is excess, but continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, wine is a counterfeit. Alcohol is a counterfeit of the Spirit of God. 
So, you know, there's a thrill that man looks for. But did you know that the Spirit of God will thrill you? Not just in your spirit, even your flesh. When the power of God comes upon you. I mean, when I was at Complex Desjardins this afternoon, and the Spirit of God came upon me, and I began to cry out before God, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. And that's what the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but continually be filled with the Spirit of God. And so, you know, you gas up your car, right? Or electric, or charge up your car, right, Richard? But the point is, you know how to charge your car? You know how to charge your phone? But do you know how to get charged up? Yeah. Because the thing is, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to get charged up. You can get charged up every single day. How many of you want to know how to do it? Well, the next verse tells you how. Verse 19, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Because when you begin to worship, you come into alignment with the kingdom of God. Because when John had a vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 4, do you know what they were doing? They were worshiping. He saw the angels saying to God, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when you begin to worship God, do you know what happens? You come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of God begins to manifest wherever you are. And so, you know, you charge up your car, you charge up your phone, but make sure you're charged up. Give God the praise and the glory that is due His name every day. Amen. Can I share a little mystery with you? You know, in the Song of Solomon, anyone ever read the Song of Solomon? Yeah. How many of you understood what you read? No. No, listen, listen. In the Song of Solomon, it's a song, obviously, it's the bridegroom and the bride, right? So we understand Solomon becomes a prototype of the Messiah, right? He's the bridegroom. And the bride, obviously, is a prototype of Israel and also the church. The church is the extension. So Solomon is the bridegroom, he's Messiah in prototype, and the the church is the bride, correct? So that's something you keep in mind when you read the Song of Solomon. Now you know what it says, watch this. Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 2. It says, let him kiss me with the, ki- with the kisses of his mouth. Now that's obviously, you know, symbolic, right? But what does that mean? Think about this. Let him kiss me. Who's the, who's the bridegroom? No, who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus right? We're the bride. Yeah. The bridegroom is Jesus. So it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And then you know what it says after? Your love is better than wine. It goes right in line with Ephesians 5. But here's the mystery. Do you know the New Testament was written in what language? Hebrew. Hebrew. Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek, right? It's all Greek. And so, uh, so watch Italian. this. Watch yeah. this. So in Greek, in Greek, the word for worship is the word proskeneo. Someone say proskeneo. Proskeneo. The word for worship is proskeneo. Do you know what proskeneo means? It means worship, but it also means to kiss. And so what does that mean? It means that when you worship God, is how you enter into intimacy with Him. Can you say amen? Amen. And so that's how you connect with God. You connect with God through your worship. 
And the kingdom of God begins to manifest wherever you are. I remember one time I was 17 years old. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you can have this experience necessarily every day. Sometimes the breakthrough is just peace in your heart. But this was a radical experience that I had. And I remember I was 17 years old. I went to work out with a friend of mine. We were training. This is still in the days of my, you know, my hockey days, you know. And so we went, we trained. And I remember I went home. And when I went home, I sat on my bed. And I just, I just felt like I had to worship God. There was this amazing stillness in my soul. And I felt I just, I just wanted to worship. And you know what I did? I lied down, I lifted my hands, and I began to worship God. And you know what? I need to come back to those days. Because see, now we see what happens when you get older, it's you get distracted, right? It's all about, you know, your bills. It's about making money. It's about this and that. But you know, we need to become children in our heart. Okay? And so I'm worshiping the Lord, and I'm just, I'm not thinking about nothing. I'm just worshiping God with all my heart, soul, and strength. And I began to worship the Lord. And as I'm worshiping, watch this, I'm worshiping in English. But all of a sudden, as I go to say a word, a word, I, went, I wanted to say an English word. But instead of an English word coming out, a word came out in tongues. And when I, when I had my eyes closed, and when I released that word, I felt something open up. And I was afraid, and I was afraid to open my eyes, because I said, if I open my eyes, I'm gonna see an angel, or I'm gonna see God, I don't know what I'm gonna see. So I hesitantly opened my eyes. When I opened my eyes, to my amazement, my room was shaking under the power of God. My actual room was shaking. I said, is this in the Bible? I read in Acts chapter four, that they prayed, and the place where they were was shaking. Can you say amen? Why? Because God came into the room when I began to worship. Amen. Because His throne isn't stuck in heaven. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. Can you say amen? That's a true story. I'm not making that up. That's a true story. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And so worship brings you into intimacy with God. Again, I'm not saying you have that encounter every week. But my point is God comes near when you worship Him. Not only that, but worship and praise. Praise and worship, you know what it does? It provokes the power of God to act. If you want to see God's power in your life, if you need God to intervene, one of the most powerful things you could do is worship God. You know, there was a king in the Bible named Hezekiah. Anyone ever heard of Hezekiah before? Amen. Hezekiah was a good man. He was a righteous man. But one thing that stands out above, in his life above everything was that he was a man who knew how to move God's hand. And so in, in Isaiah 37, there was a time when the Assyrian army, which at that time was the most powerful nation in the world. It'd be like the United States of today. The Assyrian army attacked Jerusalem. And they encircled the city and they put a siege around it. And so obviously when there's a siege, you know what happens, right? It's a matter of time before you run out of food. Mm. And you know, it's a slow and gradual death until you obviously surrender. And so they put a siege around Jerusalem. And you know what happened? Hezekiah began to cry out to God. And it says in Isaiah 37, he didn't come with a prayer request. He came to praise God. 
And right away, you know what he says? He starts off, he says, You, O Lord, who dwell between the cherubim, the God of all gods. And he begins to worship the Lord. And as Hezekiah is worshiping the Lord in the temple, the prophet Isaiah gets a word. And he says, bring this word to Hezekiah. And the word was this, I'm going to cause the king to hear a rumor. He's going to go back to his land. And when he went back to his land, he was killed. And God ended the siege. They were put in an impossible situation. But when Hezekiah began to worship God, the hand of the Lord began to move and he cleared a way for him. Amen. 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 The Apostle Paul too, same scenario. The Apostle Paul is thrown in jail. You alright then? The Apostle Paul is thrown in jail. And you know what he does in jail? He begins to praise God. I mean, people thought he lost his mind. Mm. To the point where it said he wasn't going... No. It says the prisoners heard him. He began to worship God. He actually made a fool out of himself. Worshiping God. But you know what happened? The Bible says that there was an earthquake in the prison. And his chains were loosed. And God set him free from that prison when he began to worship God. Because the Bible says in Psalm 47 and verse 5 that the Lord ascends in the shout and in the sound of the trumpet. And it says, sing praises to God, sing praises to the King. God ascends when you begin to praise and worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, there was a story, I've shared this a while ago, a long time ago. But there was a, you know, a great missionary evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke, right? You guys remember Reinhard Bonnke? Yeah. I've shared about him before. Reinhard Bonnke went to do a crusade in Congo. And when he went to Congo, before going to do this crusade, he sent someone that worked for his ministry. And he sent them to Congo to prepare the way for this crusade. But this man, as he was doing that, the Lord put on his heart to go to one of the local prisons. And in those prisons, do you know what would happen? It was, there was a section where there were people who were placed on a death sentence. Now, if a person was placed on a death sentence, there was no way for them to eat unless somebody from the outside would bring them food. So that would mean if someone from the outside didn't bring them something to eat, they would die of starvation. The prison wouldn't feed them. Not only that, the way they would be executed was through strangulation. There would be a guy that would come with a, with, a, with a silver chain. They would lie them down and the guy would literally strangle them to death. I mean, how do you apply for that job? <laughs> I mean, uh, imagine a guy's looking for a job, goes to Kijiji. Okay, what jobs are available? Oh, strangler. Oh, yeah, perfect. Let me apply. I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, what do you need in your CV? We're looking for someone with experience. <laughs> Oh, I have plenty of experience strangling. I'd be the perfect guy for the job. Anyway. So this guy, okay, there was a guy that would actually strangle these people to death. That's how they would die. And there was this one guy in the prison. You know, when they would worship... Okay, let me just say this. This missionary, when he went to the jail, he shared the gospel with the people. And as you can imagine, they all got saved. I mean, it was easy for them to believe the gospel, you know, when you're facing that sentence. And so... He shared the gospel with those people in the prison. The people facing death sentence, they accepted the Lord. And so this man would go there almost every day and share the word of God with them. And they would have praise and worship sessions. And you know how they would praise God? 
they would sing to him and they would make music with their chains that they were tied to. Can you imagine? So all day long, that's another thing I forgot to mention, their wrists were constantly tied with chains. And so the way they would make instrumental sounds was by singing and moving the chains to worship God. And you want to know something? When Reinhard Bonnke went to Congo, he went to visit that prison and he saw the prisoners worshiping and moving their chains to make music to God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Reinhard Bonnke. And he said, you see that man over there? It was a man by the name of Richard. And he said, yes. He said, I want you to tell that man that he is not going to die in jail, but he is going to live. And Reinhard Bonnke struggled with it. He said, Lord, he's facing a death sentence. He's got the chains around his hands. Nobody can save him. But God said, tell him he will not die in jail. Now this man didn't speak English. So Reinhard Bonnke threw an interpreter. He told this man, you're not going to die. And at first the man got upset. He said, why are you giving me false hope? But then afterward, he said, you know what? This is the prisoner, Richard. Not you, obviously. The prisoner named Richard, he said, you know what? Now that you say this, it actually kind of makes sense. He says, because actually I was supposed to have been dead two months ago. This strangler would come once a month. And the thing is, this man was in line to be strangled. But right when it was his turn to come up, the man was exhausted. And he said, I will get you next month. When the next month came around, the same thing happened. When it was his turn, the guy was exhausted. And he said, I will come back for you another time. And so when Reinhard Bonnke told him, you are not going to die in this prison. The man said, you know what? Maybe there is some truth to what you're saying. Long story short, Reinhard Bonnke ended up getting a meeting to speak with the president of Congo and spoke to that person about that man, Richard. Long story short, it was proven that he was innocent, that he didn't actually commit murder, that he was falsely charged, but God was hearing him when he was praising him and moving those chains around his wrist to make sounds of worship to God. And Richard was released from prison. He escaped death twice of the strangulation and he was released from jail and he became a pastor and to this very day he is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and he still has the scars around his wrists as a memorial that God saved his life. Why? Because God will never forsake someone who praises him. God will never abandon a worshiper. God inhabits the praises of his people. And to the Lord belongs salvation and deliverance. And so when you begin to worship, when you begin to praise God, he will come through for you and he will remember you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one time my dad, I'll I'll give you a more simple. and he had a tremendous pain in his back and he thought he was going to have to take a long period off from work and he had tremendous back pain like really bad and when my dad woke up the Lord spoke to him and he said I want you to rejoice before me he said I want you to sing your way to the kingdom of God 
And so when my dad woke up early in the morning, instead of complaining about his back, which is the easy thing to do, instead of just mourning and weeping, moaning and weeping, you know what he did? He went to the bathroom. Yeah, for some reason. And he went to the bathroom and he began to worship God right there in the bathroom. He began to praise the Lord. And you know what happened? He ended up feeling a hand touch his back. Yeah. And when that hand touched his back, he was totally healed from the pain in his body. And he was able to go to work. Why? Because when you praise God, the power of the Lord is in manifestation. Amen. Yeah. You're going to see the miracles of God because he's put a song of praise in your mouth. Thank you, Lord. A hymn of praise to our Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. And so a child of the kingdom is a worshiper. Amen. Why? Because the king is worthy of honor. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. We worship you and give you praise. So number one, the child of the kingdom is a worshiper. Hallelujah. Number two, a child of the kingdom is generous. Someone say generous. Generous. You know that in a kingdom, listen to this, this is another kingdom concept. Is that in a kingdom, you guys listening? Yeah. In a kingdom, you are not allowed to go before a king without a gift. Did you know that? Mm. If you were living in a kingdom and you went before a king and you didn't bring him a gift, you were disrespecting him. Mm. And so... In a kingdom, you appear before the king with a gift. That's why when we go to church, when we come together corporately, we honor God with our offering. Why? Because that is how a kingdom operates. But I have good news for you. Did you know that when you give to a king, it, prov it provokes a response from the king? Amen. In other words, the king, you see, in this, in this civilization, this society that we live in, I mean, it's just a total mess, right? I mean, no one respects the prime minister. The prime minister doesn't care about people, okay, most of the time. But in a kingdom, the king loves his people. Why? Because the people are a reflection of who he is, okay? And so the king is the father of the nation. Remember we spoke about right. that before? And so what did Jesus say? If you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father not give good gifts to them that ask? Because when you give to the king, it provokes a response for the king to give back to you. And when the king gives back to you, he gives back even greater. Let me give you an example. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 10, the queen of Sheba, mm. she went, goes to visit Solomon. And you know what it says? She brought him gifts. Now Solomon was richer than her. But guess what? You don't go before a king empty-handed. And so the queen of Sheba, what did she do? She gave Solomon a gift. Then afterwards she has the experience. Remember, she passes out when she sees how great his kingdom is. But you know what happened? She left and it says Solomon gave her many gifts. Why? Because when you give to the king, it provokes a response from the king to give to you. And so what does the Bible say in Luke 6.38? It says, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah. And so giving is powerful for many reasons, but the blessing always stays with the giver. First of all, there's an eternal blessing when it comes to giving, even that goes beyond this temporal life. You know, there's no way for you to take your earthly money to heaven. 
right? The Bible says in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Your gold and your silver will not save you in the day of the Lord's wrath. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 15 that naked you came into the world and naked you will leave. You will leave. But what if I told you that there was a way to convert temporal possessions into eternal treasure? Wow. You see, Jesus said this in, in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth corrupts and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven. The question is, how do you lay up heavenly treasure? Mm -hmm. You know, if you have Canadian dollars, if you go to America, is the Canadian dollar worth anything in America? Yes no. or no? Yeah. No. Why? Because... Sure it is. No, not Okay. So if you have Canadian money, it doesn't serve you anything in America. Why? Because it operates by a different currency. Right. The only way for you to operate in America is if you take the Canadian money and if you convert it into an American dollar. Right. But do you want to know something? You can take your earthly substance and when you put it towards the gospel, you are investing it in an eternal cause. Amen. And so you can take temporal treasure and convert it into an eternal reward through your giving. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. But even on the earth, it provokes a response from God to give to you. Because God's treasures are not only in heaven. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all the inhabitants that dwell therein. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says, The gold is mine, the silver is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And so when you give to God, He can even bring it back in the physical realm as well. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24, it says, There is he who withholds more than he should and obtains poverty. But it says, But there is one who disperses and yet increases all the more. You see, the, there is a system in this world. This worldly system is the system of Egypt. It wants you to be in bondage. Mm. And so this is a system that runs by debt. Why? Because the scripture says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. Amen. And so this is a system that works by debt. And so what do they say? They teach you accumulate, save up. And, you know, get a down payment for a house, all that stuff. But you know that God has a better way. You can operate by the economy of the kingdom of God. And the way you do that, one of the ways, primary ways, is by becoming a giver. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, I've seen God do amazing things in my life when it comes to giving. I remember, I'll just share a couple testimonies with you. Uh, I remember one time, I mean, this is when I was 18 years old, okay? I had 10 bucks in my wallet. Okay, ten dollars. I see that's nothing. But this is how God taught me about sowing and reaping. I had ten dollars in my wallet. And I remember I challenged the people at House of David. I'm not taking an offering by the way. Some of you are like, hmm, what's where is this leading to? Don't worry. I'm not taking an offering, right? If anything, Nick will do it, but I'm not taking nothing. Amen. So just take it easy, all right? So so here's the thing, okay? I have ten bucks in my wallet, and uh, you know what I decided to do? Going into the new year. I said, I'm going to sell this $10. And so I took that $10 and I basketball slam dunked it in the offering basket. I said, here you go. That's all I have. I was looking forward. In those days, I was so poor. 
financially, I mean, there were times I would try to collect coins just to buy an ice cream, okay? Don't worry, those days are long gone, as you can see. <laughs> so, so anyway, so the thing is this, okay? So $10 was a, was a big deal for me. So I take those 10 bucks and I just slam it in the offering basket. Next thing you know, I go to my grandmother's house and my uncle is over. I've never seen anybody do this, okay? And my uncle's lying down on the couch watching sports and he's there sitting down and he's just holding his chin like this and he goes, <clears throat> he sits up, grabs his wallet, opens it, pulls out a wad of cash and starts counting. And I'm like, just like, wow, what's going on? You know? And he's counting one, two, three, four, counts up to 200, says, Adam, come over here. Pow! Puts it right in my hand. Two hundred bucks. Right after I sold the ten dollars. Can you say amen? Amen. Watch this. Watch this. So then there's a minister that's coming to Montreal, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Anyway, he comes to Montreal, and I don't care what your opinion is about him, but God used him to touch my life in a powerful way. And he comes to Montreal, and he's ministering, and uh, I got so touched by the Holy Spirit in those meetings. And I just felt on my heart, give everything you have to his ministry. I'm like, well, you know, 200 bucks. I mean, I could go to Baton Rouge like three times. I could get the rack and a half. A rack and a half. And a whatever I want, you know. I could get the brownies and ice cream afterward. I mean, I don't know if I want to do this. But anyway, you know what? God used them to touch my life. I took those 200 bucks and I slammed it again at the offering. This time it was a little harder. This time I was like, oh. Okay, but I dropped it in, all right? It was a business travel, all right? So I give the offering. A couple, uh, sometime later, watch this. The Lord speaks to me, and He says, I've prepared a place for you to stay in Florida. Ooh. I said, oh, that's a good prophetic word. How many of you want that prophetic word? Don't raise your hand. We need you here on Friday. <laughs> so anyway, the Lord said, I've prepared a place for you to stay in Florida. Long story short, <laughs> God made a way for me to go to Dr. Rodney's congregation in Tampa, Florida. <gasps> and so I sold those 200 bucks and God made a way for me to go to his church. Now watch this. I arrived there. I'm in Tampa, right? And God says, I've prepared a place for you to stay here. I ended up staying over four months. But watch this. I stay, I'm in the hotel the first week. And I'm wondering, I said, Lord, how, how am I going to stay here? I mean, I can't stay in a hotel permanently. I can't get a home because I'm not from the U.S. Like, what am I going to do? And it's, you know, a, a lot of money, right? For a week in the hotel uh, after a couple weeks. Forget it, right? So I, I'm there and uh, I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And as I'm in the worship service, the Lord points out this Hispanic guy. And he says, go up to him and ask him if he would like to eat a hamburger with you tonight. And I said, well, I like hamburgers. You know, I like meat. Amen. So uh, I asked him, I said, would you, um, would you like to go eat a hamburger with me tonight? Just met the guy. I said, would you like to eat a hamburger with me tonight? I'll buy it for you. He said, seriously? He was all excited. I said, yeah. I, I mean, well, I don't know what hamburger you're thinking about. <laughs> I said, he said, he said, yeah. So I said, all right, let's go. So, so we went and uh, after we finished eating, he's driving me home. And you know what he tells me? He says, Adam, he says, name's Greg. He says, uh, Adam, he says, uh, you didn't know this. He just met me. We just met. But he said, yeah. Okay. Downstairs. Bathroom that I went. Okay. He says, Adam, you know, we just met. He says, you didn't know this. But in the, while the offering was going on, the Holy Spirit, this is him. He says, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to give everything I have in the offering. Right. And he says, I just remembered I didn't have food at home. 
And he says, then you came up to me and you asked me if, we wanted to, if you wanted to go eat a hamburger with you. And so I went and I bought him dinner. And so we go out, we eat. And then he's driving me back to the hotel. Watch this. He says, hey, uh, where, where are you staying while you're here? I said, well, I'm staying in a, a hotel, the place where you're driving me. And he says, what are you going to do after that? I said, well, I don't know. He says, how long do you want to be here? I said, uh, as long as the Lord leads. He says, you want to know something? He says, my roommate just left. And he went, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one who told me to see this guy. He says, my roommate just left. He went back to his hometown in Atlanta, Georgia. And I have a free room in my house. Would you like to stay with me free of charge? I said, let me pray about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and watch this. Great old time. Watch this. When we went there, I was thinking, you know, some apartment maybe in the ghetto. I'm like, do I need to carry a firearm? <laughs> in America, you're allowed guns. You know, do I need a handgun? We go there, gated community, Whoa. swimming pool, man-made lake, basketball court, tennis court, wow. and God allowed me to stay there for four months Whoa. for free. Can you say Because the Bible says when you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Amen. Cast your bread on the waters, and after many days, it will return Hallelujah. to you. Hallelujah. Sold sacrificially, and the blessing of God is about to start chasing you down. Amen. Trouble chases sinners, but blessings chase the righteous. Amen. And that's what's coming your way. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, let the Lord hear you tonight. Amen. Open the windows of heaven over your life. Amen. Then watch this. At toward the end, he started getting a little grumpy with me. This is Greg, okay? Greg, if you're watching you. Anyway. <laughs> That's okay, don't want to rule. But watch this. Toward the end, he started getting a little grumpy with me. And then he wanted me to contribute a little bit, you know? So watch this. So uh, when we got to Florida, the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. He says, I want you to um, I want you to sow a seed of five hundred dollars US. I said, Lord, that can't be you. I said, get behind me, say. Get behind me, get, be, get behind me in Jesus' name. No, that's not the, that's not the Holy Spirit. But he says, sow a seed of 500, I'm 20 years old, you know? Sow a seed of 500 US dollars. That's how much we pay every month for the radio, for crying out loud. And so I said, um, no, it can't be, it can't be. But the conviction got stronger and stronger and stronger. So I said, fine, here's the 500 bucks, you know? So that was when I first got there, right? That was when I first got there. Now, months later, Greg wants me to, you know, contribute some, some, some rent, you know? And uh, all of a sudden, I leave the church, and there was this. I had this favorite Cuban restaurant that I used to go eat at. Cuban restaurant, amazing food, right? Walking distance from the church, okay? And uh, I was going to eat there. And as I'm walking there, a lady, an old lady, pulls up as I'm walking on the sidewalk, rolls down the window. Never met this person in my life, okay? Rolls down the window and says, Where are you going? I said, I'm going to a Cuban restaurant up the road. She says, hop in my car, I'll drive you. Uh, are you sure? I said, no, I'm good. She said, get in here. I said, all right, fine. So I, I said, she's an old lady. She can't kidnap me. I'm like, she's an old lady, you know? I'm, I'm 20 years old, over six feet. I go, all right, fine. What do I do? So I hop in the car and she says, is the restaurant good? I said, it's really good. She says, can I come with you? I'll buy you lunch. I said, oh, praise God. Okay, fine. Of course you can come with me. I said, absolutely. Yeah. So we go eat lunch. She covers it. And then she says, uh, I have a little something for you. I never met this person. I said, who are you? Are you a human being? You an angel? 
Says, they're looking for the wings, you know. It uh, uh, says, I have a little something for you. Gives me an envelope. Now, uh, you know how I was taught by an expert who I will not mention? Uh, when you want to lift that up, you open up your Bible, you pretend like you're doing your devotions, and then you put the envelope right there, and you just kind of glance and go like this, you know. So I put the envelope, and uh, I count, and uh, 500 U.S. dollars <laughs> that this woman gave me. I promise before God, this is a true story. Oh, my God. Because when you give, it will come back. Amen. Amen. And so God remembers your offerings. And God will not forget wow. you. He's not unrighteous to forget your good works and your labor of love. That is a true story before Almighty God. Amen. And a free lunch. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so Greg comes up to me and says, you know, you should start contributing a little something. I'm like, well, here you go. <laughs> God already made a way ahead of time. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Arises, the provision hey. will be there hey. ahead of time. You will not lack in Jesus' mighty name. Hey. Your job is not your provider. The Amen. government is not your provider. Amen. God Almighty, Amen. Jehovah Jireh, Amen. is your provider. Amen. This provision never runs out because it doesn't come from the U.S. economy. It doesn't come from the Canadian economy. It comes from the open windows of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can I share one more? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one more. You guys like my suits? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you want to know how I got some of them? Not this one, but how I got some of them? Yes. You know what happened? I was I was in Washington, D.C., okay, with Dr. Rodney's ministry. Mm -hmm. And we're preparing a crusade there, okay? And there's an evangelist, also a young man in his early 20s. And uh, he forgot to pack extra, an extra shirt, okay, a casual shirt. And I know, you know, we're just young kids in our early, well, I'm still kind of in my mid-twenties, but I was really young back then, okay? And so we're, we're just youngsters, and so we're, we're living by faith, okay? And so he forgot to pack a shirt, and he was really angry, because now he was going to have to, you know, spend, you know, money on something that wasn't necessary. And so I'm there, and I'm watching him, and I said, um, I won't mention his name, but I said, you know, uh, I'm going to buy that shirt for you. It wasn't very expensive, it was like 25 bucks. I said, I'm going to buy that shirt for you. He said, really, you don't have to? I, and he was super excited. I said, don't worry, I got this. So I go, bang, we cash it in. I buy him the shirt, okay? And I'm saying this just to give glory to God, okay? I'm just trying to encourage you, okay? Because as believers, as children of the kingdom, we're called to be generous, amen? The Bible says in Proverbs 19, you know what it says? It says, mm, excuse me. It says that he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and is well rewarded in doing so. You know, when you lend, you have to pay back with interest. So when you lend to God, when you give to God, God's saying, I'm going to pay you back with interest. Okay, watch this. So, so I, I'm buying the shirt. Then we go back. We were staying at a church. It was like a church slash school. It was like a school that got turned into a church. You know, when, we, when I was invited, they said, you want to come to Washington, D.C.? I was thinking they're going to provide a beautiful hotel for us. I didn't know I was going to stay in the basement of an old rundown church slash school. Okay? It was a horrible place. It was so filthy and dirty. Terrible. But uh, anyway, there was a bunch of us there. So we're staying there. And uh, what happened was there was a guy who actually lived in the basement. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. He served at the church. He lived in the basement where we were staying. We sleep on mats. And what happened is there was a guy who used to live there that had a whole bunch of nice suits. 
And you know what? He kept them there and he told them, give these suits to whoever you want. Now we're a bunch of us, there's about 30, men, 30 of us men in this basement, okay? I mean, we're it's just terrible. So we come there and there's this big guy, his name's Gordon, you know, African-American, big dreadlocks, nice guy. And uh, this is right after I buy my friend this, this simple t-shirt. He says, uh, hey you, uh, your name's Adam, right? Of all the people. I said, yeah. He says, is it true that you are an evangelist? I said, yeah. Who's asking? He says, come with me, I have something for you. He takes me to the back room. He opens this curtain, and there's a whole bunch of beautiful suits. Blazers, dress shirts, dress pants. And he says, I want you to take whatever you want. And he says, this is only for you. And so in front of everybody, everyone's like, they're watching me, and they're all watching me try on suits. And the guy Gordon says, it's not for you guys, it's all for him. And so right there, I'm trying on blazers, I'm like, how do you think this looks? And the guy, yeah, yeah, that looks good, that looks good. Right after I sold that shirt into my friend, and you say, man, there is a righteous God. He's alive, and he is generous. Can you say amen? Amen. My goodness. That's why Jesus said, when I sent you out without purse or shoe or script, did you lack anything? No. And all the disciples, including Thomas, said, no, Lord, we didn't lack anything. And we know that if they did, Thomas would have said something. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. But we serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're only at point two. No, not yet. No. No. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. Generosity. Yes. Let me give you another one. Can I give you one more? Yes. Or you guys prefer cake? Well, cake is good too. (laughs) You want your cake and eat it. Take your diabetes somewhere else. Generosity. <laughs> to the old folks. Hallelujah. Part two next week. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Praise him. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for the word that went forth tonight. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeshua, the Messiah, what a wonderful man to proclaim to those who are king. What a glorious day it when my Savior's face I see.
Holy, holy, 
Thank you.